You're listening to a sermon podcast from Redemption Hill Church, recorded at one of our worship services. Okay, what a privilege. Uh, okay, the scripture today is Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. These are the true words of the living God. Thank you so much. Wow, we've had a flurry of activity already this morning. Mash, lovely singing. Uh, Gosh, I've known you, what, two years? I didn't know you sang so well. Uh, Lydia, thank you for your announcement too, and um, Addie for praying, and well done, Debbie and Zoe for being baptized. It's really wonderful. Uh, Publicly declaring your faith. Good on you. Good on you both. Okay, lovely to see you all. We are continuing in our... Identity and Commitment series, talking about ECP, the shape of the church to be and what we'd love it to be. And uh, last week we spoke about uh, our foundational value of wanting to be a grace community, a community built and established on grace and a community that is powered, directed, uh, and full of grace. That uh, is what we want. We want to keep it simple, and yet it's deeply profound to put those two words together, grace and community. So we'd love to be a grace community uh, in all different respects. And what flows from this is four things, four activities that we would like to commit ourselves to. So right up front, uh, the leaders, we are articulating our desire that we would like to commit ourselves to four activities. And so we are publicly explaining and speaking about those. And they all flow from this idea of a community that is established and based and uh, founded on grace. So, our four commitments, and we're going to go one by one over the next four weeks, but I'm just going to give them to you rapid fire now up front, uh, so you know what's coming in the next four weeks. So, commitment number one, we would love to commit ourselves to offering grace externally. And by that I mean making disciples. Offering grace externally. Being a community So in love with this idea of the grace of God in Christ that we offer this message to others outside of the church. Commitment number two, we don't want to only be out there and neglect our insides. Well, we'd love to live out grace internally. We'd love to offer grace externally, but we'd love to live live out grace and the values and principles of grace internally. And this is, of course, is thinking about how... We should live and operate and conduct ourselves within the house of God, within the church, within the family of God. We don't want to only be about lost people. We don't want to only be about uh, our internals. But we'd also love, and this is our third commitment, to take practical grace to the city. To take practical grace to the city. And what we have in mind here is uh, caring for the marginalized and the vulnerable. Taking practical grace to people who need it most in this city. And then our fourth commitment, I'd love us to commit ourselves, uh, at least we the elders would love this church to be committed to helping each person to do 
what God has given them grace to do. We love to help people do what God has given you all grace to do. You wear many hats, parents, friends, sons, daughters, workers, soccer players, members of civic society, so on and so forth. And so what we have in mind here is helping people identify and understand particular graces which are given to you on an individual, unique basis. And we'd love to see people flourishing in their personal spaces according to the grace which has been given to you. Okay, so those are our four commitments, and we're going to be talking our way through that over the next uh, four weeks. Today, we're going to major on number one, commitment number one, which is uh, our commitment to offering grace to the people outside of this room, to uh, folks who don't yet uh, know God, don't yet know the grace of Jesus, to making disciples. The big idea is we want to commit ourselves to being a church that majors on evangelism, and by evangelism, it's a horrible Christian word. If you are new here today and you've never set foot inside of a church, evangelism, it's just a technical term for making disciples. Making disciples, people who will follow uh, God. We'd also love to, uh, as part of this, talk about church planting. I'm just, I don't have too much to say on that today because I've got enough to get through already, but I'm just putting that on our radar. Part of our commitment to taking grace externally is, yes, of course, to the people of Singapore, but uh, beyond that, we'd love to be planting churches as well. I'll touch on that briefly later. Okay, so uh, before we get into the, the passage this morning, I want to begin on a somewhat uh, sad and personal note, just to give this discussion of evangelism uh, something of a good framework, uh, I think. Uh, you may ask me when the last time it was that I witnessed to someone about the faith, well, I have uh, a sad story to tell you this morning about someone who influenced my life in a remarkably huge and big way when I was at school, a teacher of mine. Uh, she was one of the first people to believe in me and uh, see something in me, which I'll always be eternally grateful to her for. Uh, I've known her over 30 years. I've kept up with her. Uh, whenever I go back to South Africa, I always used to visit her. And I got a message last week to say that she was... Uh, close to the end. Uh, she had cancer. And uh, I, she, in fact, she died on Friday. I wrote her a letter, uh, which I asked her son to read to her because she was too ill to even read. And uh, I want to read you a part of it because it does put this question of evangelism, I think, in its uh, true footing. We are talking about eternal things. Life and death, literally. Uh, so this is what I wrote to her. We used to have a great relationship. Uh, she had a wonderful sense of humor, because she used to laugh at all my jokes, therefore she must have had a good sense of humor. So I used to joke around with her a lot, so it was, this was entirely appropriate when I wrote this to her. What I do remember is one sharing with you a joke. Old teachers never die, they just lose their class. Is there any truth to the statement? Yes and no. It's not true, because you never lost your class. You're one of the classiest, smartest, nicest people I've ever met. And yet it's also true. It's also possible that old teachers never die. That's the Christian message. That's the message of Jesus, that if you believe in him and ask him to forgive your sins, you will never die, but live for eternity. That's the message I've spoken to you many times. And over the years, we used to have endless discussions about God and Christianity. I say to encourage you, even in this dark hour, 
Eternity is real. There is paradise. It is a place of no sickness, no tears, no old age, no cancer. Your husband is already there. It's glorious. It's a truth I've given my life to. If you have believed in Jesus, I'll see you there one day. Remember the Savior's words, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Evangelism, speaking about Christ, is a matter of deep and utmost importance. It's a thing we are called to be and to do. I also want to say that the reason for this church plant, what you see around you, us being in existence for, I don't know, 15 months or whatever it's been, is uh, the desire to reach out to new groups of people who don't yet know Jesus and to help explain this wonderful truth in Him and in who He is. The big story of the Bible is that people have sinned, they've fallen out with God, they've rebelled against Him, turned away from Him, are doing their own thing, and God is out to pursue humanity, to save us from our sin against Him, and to reconcile us, and to redeem us, and to turn us back to Him, and to save us for all eternity, so that we can be Him, be with Him, not only now, but forevermore in eternity. That is the big story of the Bible. Therefore, it should be the big story of us as a church as well in our lives. God is on a mission. He's been on a mission for millennia. He's been on a mission even since before creation, the Bible tells us. And it's entirely appropriate that we too should join him on this mission to reach people. And it's all based in this wonderful message and principle and understanding of grace. And so there's some proportionality to this of what I want to say today. And uh, to use a clumsy equation, the size of grace appreciated equals the size of grace spoken. The size of grace appreciated equals the size of grace spoken. If we are so appreciative of the lengths and the extremes that Jesus took to save us from our sin, if we are so touched by that and so moved by that, there is going to be some proportionality to how much we speak of it. Uh, Jesus has a parable, where at least he's talking to someone, and uh, he says, uh, those who've been loved little will love little. Those who've been forgiven little, at least, will love little. It's the same kind of idea. If we are so overwhelmed with the grace of Jesus to us, if we really understand that, there's going to be some proportionality to how much it trips off our lips and how often it is that we are speaking of this great thing that God has done for us. Okay, introduction over. Uh, it's a long introduction. Let me get uh, to a couple of my points today. I don't see how many we can get through. Point number one is this. We are mandated. We are mandated. Now, mandate is an interesting word. On one level, it's got two meanings. It, it, a mandate is uh, an instruction, a command that you are to do something. But a mandate is also something you operate under. It's also your authorization to do something. And both of these are true in the Great Commission, the passage that was just read out to us just now by Addy. So, turning to the passage, uh, again, I want to assume total ignorance. Maybe you're here for the first time and you've never come across this passage before. The context of this is that Jesus has just died, he's risen from the dead, and he's told his disciples, go and meet me in Galilee, where I'll be, and I'm going to appear to you. And then he appears to them. And so these disciples have been from the brink of a funeral to... Uh, the triumph and the exalt of actually seeing Jesus come back to life. So that's the context. 
And Jesus is about to leave earth and go up to heaven. And so it's like his last words. Uh, imagine if you're about to die and you call your children to you and you've got some last words or instructions to give. You want to save your absolutely most important things for that moment. Well, this is the setting. What is the most important thing on uh, Jesus' mind at this point? is to instruct and to tell about people going to other people to tell about him. So verse 16 says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Okay, so they gather around. Verse 17, And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. They worshipped him. They see Jesus as unkillable. There's nothing a Roman spear or six-inch nails can do to him. You cannot kill him. He's unkillable. They killed him, but he came back to life. Imagine seeing a dead man resurrected, stronger and fitter and better than ever before, who just suddenly appears. It's, it's supernatural. It's incredible. No wonder they worshipped and fell, fell on their faces before him. And imagine Jesus speaking to them. The Bible says when he speaks, it's like the sound of rushing waters. These are his last words. He's calling his executive team, as it were, to him and speaking about, this is what I want you to do. I imagine they grew a foot taller, put 10 centimeters on their bicep, puffed up their chests, and were like, we can do this. We can run. But interestingly, some also doubted. And there's a wonderful honesty here of, wow, this is a hard thing to do. And there is understanding and allowance and grace that it's okay to be frail and weak. All of us are, and all of us do doubt, even though the resurrected Christ is, is, is before them. And so it's a very human story. Verse 18, and Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, I want to use a quick analogy here with Elon Musk. Now, who I googled is the richest man in the world. Now, Imagine Elon Musk came and stand before you, and he said, I am the richest man in the world. That's not quite what Jesus is saying here. The equivalent is Elon Musk coming and saying, I am the richest man in the world, and all the money in the world belongs to me. So all the money in your pocket, all the money in your bank account, it's not yours, it's mine. All of it. So Jesus is not saying here, I am the ultimate authority. Of course he's saying that, but he's saying so much more. He's saying... All authority in the world, in the universe, belongs to me. You cannot get more authority than that. And we also learn that authority is givable because it was given to him. The Father gave him all authority. That's how he introduces himself. It's, it is the most superlative claim. You cannot get a greater claim. Not only do you have the highest authority, but you have all authority. And then in verse 19, I want to focus on two words, go and therefore. Therefore, go. Let's do it in that order. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All authority has been given to me, therefore. All authority has been given to me, therefore. There's a connection between all authority being given to Jesus and a therefore. So we've got to pay attention to this therefore. I think we can slice therefore up into three ways. 
Therefore, all authority is mine. Therefore, I am telling you to go and do this. This is not a suggestion. This is not the great suggestion. This is the great commission. This is all the person who's got all authority telling you to do something. This is not a choice. This is something you must do. The second thing is if authority is something that's given to Jesus, he is here also giving authority to the disciples. I've got all the authority. I'm instructing you to do this, but I'm also going to give you some of my authority. We have a mandate. We're under his authority, and he's given us portion of his authority to go and do this job for him. It's another way of saying, thirdly, that he is going to protect you if you give yourself to this task, and he is going to underwrite the success of this. All authority is behind you if you throw yourself at this. What about go? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Well, let's look at go. Uh, let me slice it up into three ways here as well. First thing to say about go is the reason for ECP is that some people listen to the word go. That's our origin. This is what we, if you want to know how did this thing come about, it's this. You can go back to that one word, <laughs> go, go. The, the instruction is to go, is to go. Go and reach as many people as you can. I also want to point out your faith. You owe your faith to someone sometime, somewhere, who also goed. I know that's bad English. Someone goed in the past. And that's how you came to faith. How on earth does this message get from Palestine 2,000 years ago to wherever your hometown may be? Someone goed. You, you, the very reason for your existence in the Christian faith, you owe it to this verse too, someone goed. And then uh, thirdly, I want to say, is uh, you go and you keep going. There, there is something about perpetual motion written in and hardwired into this instruction. And just because we've gone one sub suburb down the road to the East Coast to start ECP, doesn't mean we're going to stop here. Because go doesn't stop. There is this perpetual motion built in here. And we want to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going until we have no more breath. Okay, some people object and they say only the 11 disciples, the original 11, minus Judas, uh, are given this command. Therefore, it doesn't apply to me. Well, let me just quickly take you through the logic of verse 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Okay, the logic flows like this. Number one, all 11 were commanded to go to make disciples. Okay, that's the first level. The command was to go. Number two, they had to teach new disciples all the commands, which must by necessity include the command to go. So what is the thing that the new disciples get taught? They also get taught Number three, therefore, new disciples must also go and make disciples. There is this perpetual motion built into the Great Commission. Because you must teach all of Jesus' commands, and one of the commands was to go. So that command must be taught to the new disciples. And a man called uh, 
Brian Hull put it like this. Disciples make disciples. That's a simple idea. Bill Hull says this. Success should not be measured. Success should be measured not by how many disciples are made, but how many disciples are making other disciples. Disciples make disciples. That's the big idea. And so there's a perpetuity from the 11, which gets traced all the way down to us, and which we are going to carry on and continue. The second objection to the objection that only the 11 should do it is this. I want you to pay attention to the word all in this passage. And uh, let me reread it from 18 to 20. And we've underlined the word all for you just to make it clear. And Jesus came to them and said to them, all, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you. This is a sneaky one. All ways to the end of the age. There are four alls there. The four dimensions of this are all authority, all nations, all commands, always. You can't get a bigger matrix than that. Are you really telling me that only 11 guys in the first generation, first century AD are, they, are going to pull that off? That task is so huge that it's going to take all of us forevermore to do the Great Commission. We're all in this together. Because the fifth all, bong, is all of God's people. Okay, what do we do? Point number two is we make disciples. You'll be pleased to know I have five points this morning, and we're 20 minutes after point one. But I have powers of expedition. Okay, here we go. We make disciples. We make disciples. Now, I got my COVID vaccine. I remember. They stuck a big needle in my arm. I cried like a baby. And by the way, I was on CN, CNA News. Yeah, and I, a little known fact, the cameraman was there sneakily watching me as I crawled out of the booth. Anyway. Some people have all the crazy stories. Anyway, now, we are not offering vaccines against hell. We are not just lining people up and going like, here's your hell inoculation, here's your hell inoculation, here's your hell inoculation, go and do whatever you want now. Just be inoculated. We are not selling life assurance policies at the gate of heaven. Just sign this document and you can get in into heaven. We're not just issuing passports that when you get to immigration, you just flash it and go, hey, this is it. I got my free pass. We are making disciples, not making converts. We're making disciples. We are making disciples. Our role is to show people how to enter the kingdom. We need to show people how to enter the kingdom, of course. We need to initiate, but it's so much more than that. Because we then need to help them live in the kingdom. Our role is to show people how to enter the kingdom and then help them to live in the kingdom. We, get, we communicate the message of grace. That's just the beginning. Because we are to make disciples. And what is a disciple, you may ask? Well, I could discourse on this for hours. I'm going to limit myself to what it says in this passage. In verse 20, it says this. Make disciples of all nations, verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You see, it's not just a message of 
get into the kingdom and that's it. No, we've got to teach people to observe all that Jesus has commanded. The first step is explaining the mystery of justification, of faith, of salvation from your sins. Of course, that's the way you get into the kingdom. Then we need to help people live in the kingdom from there. And generally, there are two buckets of Jesus' commands that we are to teach people. Uh, the first one is how to live in the kingdom with Jesus and God as your king. The kingdom has a king. So we need to teach people how to live in the kingdom and what that looks like under the lordship and the kingship of God. And then secondly is how to follow Jesus. How do we follow him? How do we follow him? That's a clear command. How do we follow him? Okay, so the first point is we are mandated. We're under authority. We've been given authority to go and do this job. The second point is what is the job? And that job, quite simply, is to make disciples. We don't make converts. We begin there, but then we take that on into the fullness of uh, seeing people walk in the fullness of what Jesus has for them. Third point I want to make today is how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, where do we go? We've been told to go, but where do we go? Uh, simply, we go anywhere and everywhere. Anywhere and everywhere. Uh, who do we go to? Well, anyone and everyone. It's all-encompassing. This includes your family, your friends, your uh, colleagues, your strangers that you meet. It's, it's this overarching instruction to go to everyone, as many people as you can. All nations. There's no one that's left out. No one, no one doesn't qualify to hear this message from us. It's uh, a great and wonderful thing. There's a man called Dwight Moody. Uh, he's from many years ago, but he came from Chicago, and he had this to say. I'm going to do a sneaky substitution and just include the word Singapore. In uh, his quote, he says this, I do not know anything that would wake up Singapore better and for every man and woman here who loves him to begin to talk about him to their friends and just to tell them what he has done for you. You have got a circle of friends. Go and tell them of him. So we to go to as many people as we possibly can. What is the spirit that we go in? What is the posture of our hearts? Well, I want to suggest four to you today. Can we go with the spirit of adventure? Can we go with the spirit of faith? Can we go with the spirit of boldness, bearing in mind that we've got all authority behind us? Adventure, faith, boldness, and then I'm going to throw in number four. Can we go humbly? It's uh, often said that uh, Christians are just like beggars telling other beggars where they found bread. I try to come up with uh, who actually said this, and it's variously uh, attributed to uh, multiple people. Christians are like beggars who are telling other beggars where they found bread. We are not going with superiority. How can you? How can we? We are under the auspices and the power and the spell of grace. We know that we are dirty, that we are broken, that we are fallible, that we are weak, that we even doubt when we see the resurrected Christ in front of us. We are those kind of people. We are not proud. We're not proud of ourselves. We've got so much junk and so much mess. And you know what? 
that's our qualification for telling the message. Because we're not telling about us and how good we are or how to live a moral life. We're telling people about the grace of Jesus who forgives people their sin and their brokenness and actually helps them. So can we be humble in this? We're not going moralistically, trying to change people's conduct. No, we are going with the message of grace, of forgiveness. That's why we have grace and community uh, at the forefront of our minds. All right, how else do we go? Uh, can I encourage, encourage us to, uh, I don't know what the best way to say this is. Can we be nice? Just for one wild moment, just be likable. Just... Just be nice. It's everything about our message, right? We've been so touched and changed by this. And not nice in like this, some moralistic way, but just, just be friendly and, and, and just live your message as well. Be likable. Uh, you must go, but you must also speak. Some people are under the tragic misapprehension that uh, gospel witness happens by magical osmosis. And that just being around Christians, you osmose another person to becoming a Christian. So you need to ride the MRT as often as you can because you get maximum osmosis effect on, uh, on the train. No, at some point you need to speak. Uh, many years ago, when my daughter was at uh, a local school, I would drop her off every morning. And uh, there was a man who I'd always make eye contact with, and he was likable, probably more likable than me. And he'd always smile at me, and then I'd smile at him. And uh, one thing led to another, and we got into conversations. It turns out that he would drop his wife at school every, every morning. I'd drop my daughter. Uh, his wife turned out to be my child's Chinese teacher. Quite an amazing uh, set of circumstances. Anyway, one thing leads to another, and we have coffee, and then, and then it gets to a point where I talk about Christ and what he's done. And God just set the whole thing up. And then he said to me, that, that is something that I need and I want. The point of the story is, at some point you have to talk. At some point you have to talk. We go, we go as likable people, but we also go to talk. Okay, what do we say? Well, we have to talk about sin. And I've got a picture for us about sin. It's on its way. Thanks, Marcus. There we go. This is sin. This is the folly and the stupidity of sin. God has made you. He's given you everything. And sin is the reluctance to be with God or under God or connected to him anyway. Now I'm going to do, do it my way and I'm going to cut off the branch I'm sitting on. And most people are in free fall from a tree. The tree is very big because God is very big. And they are taking 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years to hit the bottom and die. But they are on their way down because they have sinned. They have cut themselves off from God. They are have unilaterally terminated the relationship with God and want nothing more to do with Him. It is the craziest, stupidest thing you can do. But that shows you the power of sin. Our message is to say, Jesus, although you have rebelled against this God, Jesus has come to save you. He's died for you. He's died for your sin. He's taken the penalty and He has resurrected from the dead, proving that the punishment and the penalty is paid in full. And we are those who catch people on the way down and say, please, don't do this. You can, he's come to find you. He doesn't want you to fall to your destruction. We must talk about sin. We must talk about the news, the facts of what Jesus has done. And thirdly, what I want you to talk about is your own story. Your own story. You must talk about sin. You must talk about the facts of what Jesus has done. But you must talk about your own story. It is so powerful 
This is me. I was broken. I was useless. I was this. I was that. I was in a dark place. I realized that I, I was also in free fall. I needed Jesus. Jesus appeared to me. He's so kind. He's so gracious. He saved me from my sins. He's gentle. He's lovely. He's kind. This is the Jesus that I know. Look, you might not believe all the historical stuff, but I'm telling you my story. He loves me, and he has found me, and he is gracious to me. That is powerful. That is powerful. Whew, time is against us. Okay, a uh, few, th- few more thoughts here. The benefits of preaching the gospel are so big, you, you're walking in obedience to the command, you are honoring Christ, you are, it's a blessing to the people you're going to hear, for sure, obviously, but I also want to highlight this, it's a blessing to you. It's a blessing to you. Because the more you talk about the grace of God, the more you realize and, and you retell yourself, wow. God is gracious. He is so kind. He is so kind. And the more we tell other people, the more it gets into our own hearts how kind He actually is. I put it like this. Gratitude for salvation leads me to speak. Speaking makes me more grateful. It becomes a virtuous cycle. Gratitude for salvation leads me to speak. Speaking makes me more grateful. The more grateful I am, the more I want to speak. And the more I realize, wow, God is good to me. Okay, how are we going to do it? Well, two platforms. Uh, the first is a pulpit. The second is a community pulpit. And what I mean by that is, we've got two platforms here at ECP. There's the platform on Sunday, but there's the platform that all of you have, wherever you are, wherever God has placed you, whichever walk of life, whichever corner of Singapore you've been placed, you have a platform. In fact... And he has news for you. The person to your left and to, the, to your right, okay, not you, but the person to your left and to your right is on the ECP, First Division, Premier League evangelism team. All of us are on the evangelism team. All of us have some God-given platform, wherever you may be, whatever sphere of influence you may have, big or small, where you can preach and proclaim the mysteries and the wonders of Christ. So you're all on the team. We have gone to the trouble of giving you kit and uniform. Okay, as we speak, there are people in your cupboards putting your clothes together. Okay, the kit looks exactly like the stuff you would wear to work and looks exactly like the stuff you are going to wear to lunch this afternoon. That's our team uniform. It's you as you are, who you are. You're on the team to speak about Jesus. And uh, one of the most compelling things is for people to see a community living under the authority of Christ. When people look at the community, the ECP community, and see the authority of Christ, it makes our message so much more believable. Uh, Okay, point number four, we can do this very quickly. We are going again. We are going again. At some point in the future, we would love to continue church planting. Churches plant churches. Communities plant communities. And we're not stopping. God willing, that's what we think, that's what we're seeing, that's what we're discerning. We would love to keep planting churches. Not to the detriment of what we have here. We are not about uh, trying to take land for the sake of land. Not at all. But there is this hardwired instruction to go. So just giving you a heads up, we're going again at some point, no doubt. And then lastly... We were speaking last week about this idea of living in a grace community. 
And part of that is to love and to know, to be known and to be loved. Part of that is for God to love us and to know us. Well, isn't it wonderful how that very idea bookends, rounds off, rounds off, caps off the Great Commission, these verses here. Because in verse 20 it says this, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is with us. As we go, as we are on mission for him and with him, he is with us. One of the great ways that you can deepen your knowing, your knowledge, your being known, and your being loved by God and with God is to be on mission for him. And so I want to put it like this. It remains, it remains one of the most striking truths of the faith that those on mission for God often get an extra measure of the experience of God's presence and nearness. Are we going to do it? We're under authority. We're under orders to take this great message of the grace of Christ to as many people as we can. And in doing it, our experience of who God is is going to be deepened and enriched. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for these words, this instruction. We owe our very lives to it. We owe our very Christian faiths to it. We honor all those who have come before us, who have faithfully carried this message through the centuries. Thank you for those who spoke it to us directly, for those who gave up their lives, their time, for those who risked embarrassment and awkwardness to tell us the message for those who trembled, for those who used faltering words, and yet you spoke to us and to our hearts. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you haven't given up on this great commission, that it's true you really are with your people right to the end of the age. It's true that you underwrite this project. It's true that you are its biggest sponsor, its biggest provider. It's all about you, Jesus. You are the one who opens hearts, changes souls, makes people born again, brings life and brings hope. You are wonderful, Lord. Thank you for saving us. We were falling from the top of a tree, and yet you caught us. You rescued us. You saved us. You brought us into a family. You conferred your grace and your goodness and your kindness upon us. You treated us as we did not deserve. You forgave us our sins. You patched us up. You healed our wounds. You believed in us. You've given us a high and a prominent position now with you in your kingdom, in your family. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, would you break our hearts once again for those who don't yet know you, for those who are in full-on rebellion against you, Oh God, would you change us? Would you give us compassion for those who don't yet know these great and wonderful truths? Would you help us, Lord? Lord, for those who are here today who haven't yet received your magnificent salvation, I pray for them this morning, Lord.
Lord, for those you are calling, for those whose hearts you are tugging, for those you are beckoning towards you, Lord, would you melt hearts today? Would you help us, Lord, as we go from here, as those entrusted with your message? Would you make us reliable, Lord? Father, even now, would you put names on people's hearts? Would you bring people to mind? Would you give us folks that we are to speak to? Would you set it up, Lord? Would you create coffee appointments? Would you create coincidences? Would you help us to bump into people at the right place at the right time? We pray you'd send lost people to us, Lord. Would you make us faithful? Would you make us responsible? And would we always point to you and your kindness and your grace? You've been listening to a sermon podcast from Redemption Hill Church. You can find more of our sermons online at www.rhc.org.sg.